Um, that's mm. step one. And then step two is we're going to do three, two, one clap. Cause that's shit. It's always hilarious. It makes people laugh. Um, <laughs> so that's re- that's the real reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys ready? Yep. Three, yep. two, one clap. Well, that's not so bad. <laughs> Dude, whoever did that is gonna be—it's gonna be a pain in the ass in the recording. Just <laughs> like God, he just doesn't line up. I just don't understand it. <laughs> Sorry for throwing the podcast. No, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's our intro right there. It's just the late clap, and then just like the what the fuck. Um, sweet. Uh. I guess we're just going to start going through people. Uh, does everyone want to say hi? They say hi after their name so that people can associate, you know, their name with their voice. You know, these, like, really high-level tactics that we're, we're, we're doing over here. So, uh, Adam, how you doing, man? Hi. Nice. Uh, <laughs> that's, what, that's what you wanted, right? <laughs> well, that's a fun yeah, thing to do. Yeah, that's I followed funny. instructions perfectly. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> yeah, that was elegant. I just was expecting more. But, yeah, okay. Uh, Gabe, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right, man. How are you? Oh, I'm quite well. Thank you for asking. Um, Keenan, who's also on the other side of that. How are you doing, man? Uh, so what's up? What's up, y'all? Yeah. What You want to shout your Twitter? No, please don't. Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> James, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, did that sound like I cared? Okay, good. Um, Zoe, how you doing? <laughs> I am a female voice. Therefore, I am Zoe. <laughs> wow. Jeez, you just did a very impressive, like, Jeez. Cortana impression right there. I know. Well, maybe that's because Zoe's actually dead. Whoa. What? Whoa. <laughs> Plot twist. Plot twist. <laughs> Wait, yo, Gabe, what's a Cortana line that she should say? Bet you can't stick I'm, it. I'm sorry, <laughs> Master Chief. I can't let you do that. <laughs> what's the one where he's like, she's like, what if you miss? And he's like, I won't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you nailed it. That's it right there. <laughs> okay, well, this is awkward as hell. Um, sorry, I'm gonna pass it to you. Do you want to like, like bullshit us about our days and things like this? Oh, I mean, yeah, sure. Like, I know at least here on the Midwest, we've all been having like quite the heat wave of uh, of weather, and I've been slowly dying and melting, and my CPU. I mean. My heart is about to oh explode. <laughs> Guys, this is yes and comedy. I'm going to need you all to start riffing off this or else we're in trouble. Hey, you know what really makes small talk better is when you call it small talk before engaging in a small talk. And you know what really makes jokes work really well is when you tell everyone to engage in the joke audibly. Everyone engage in the joke. <laughs> Does that not work? Yeah. <laughs> engaging. Oh, this is a train wreck. Okay. Yeah, this is really bad. We're going to cut this out. I won't do that. Everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, know, we know you don't edit. But I may put it in a funny James laugh if I can find that file, though. <laughs> James.wav. Yeah, I'm going to save it. I have, like, a folder of just, like, really troll-ass oh, wavs. So, actually, they're flax, but thanks. Um, <laughs> so, you know, technicalities. But, uh, yeah, dude. So, wait, does anyone have air conditioning over here at on the east coast or is that like not a thing it, it's a thing do you have it i mean most people i know have it i don't i wish i had air conditioning all right i fucking hmm. give up i'm done um <laughs> 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 all 
Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, this is the Game Club podcast where we are five friends who play a game each week and then we talk about it. Whoa, can I hear and a six friends, week? though? What well, about Cal? Uh, uh, that hurts. McCoy, Thanks, Zoe. Hey, I'm finish. not friends with him. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No one lets me finish. <laughs> I was going to say, and this week, we are joined by our friend, Keenan. But no, now it's ruined. You guys just ruined everything. And this week, we are joined by the human, (laughs) Keenan. I can neither confirm nor deny. (laughs) I am of the human race. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to Keenan. I'm pretty sure Keenan at this point is just thinking to himself, like, Jesus Christ, what a train wreck. I want Linnea back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well you know you got to get on your knees and ask yeah that's true that's yeah let's just keep that one going that was <laughs> that was an appropriate joke i felt like um god that was so funny yeah but you know the thing about keenan though is i feel like he's like extra human i, I feel like he's like very much a human's human would you agree keenan uh, i have no idea what the fuck you're talking about what is that supposed to mean I, that's the only correct answer I think this is the cue for us to ignore McCoy. <laughs> I agree. I'm thinking that one. Oh, well, I guess on that note, this week we played Dear Esther. Uh, pretty much it's a Half-Life 2 mod turned walking simulator made in 2008 re-released for um re-released in 2012 and essentially on the surface level this game is just you play as yourself walking around an island and as you are walking around you hear the writings of a tortured soul talking about his dear wife esther and with that, I'm going to turn it over to the man who had us play this game, McCoy. Oh, I thought it was Keenan. Damn it. Um, <laughs> just like a random third so, so I'm curious, you know, what made you pick this game, but also if there was anything you wanted us to take away from it. Like, what were, what were your, what was your approach to recommending this game for us to play? Yeah, so I looked long and hard at my list of games to play and i thought what's an easy game that will just be like super like chill for us all to play you know what i'm saying not stressful not a long time uh no but really what happened was this is a game that uh has been long recommended to me uh i know like one of the first listeners to our podcast my dad actually loved this game and wanted us to play it so desperately and he specifically wanted Zoe to do research about it because he thought i was incompetent and incapable of doing that <laughs> and i agree <laughs> by the way <laughs> um and he was like yeah dude her, she was so good with tacoma you got to get her to do the research and i was like great perfect um i can work with this but um yeah i wanted people to play this game because i I think games like this, they sort of bring up this sort of recurring conversation that are having that we're having on this podcast about sort of, I guess really like, is it a game? Is it not a game? You know, walking simulators, that sort of stuff. So I want to I want to start it off by just saying, like, how do people feel about the title "Walking Simulator"? Like the category name "Walking Simulator." They talk about this a little bit in the uh, what like record you know commentary uh, mode about their thoughts on it. But what are our thoughts on this in terms of? Do you think that's accurately describes this genre? Do you feel like there should even be a name for this genre? Do you feel like 
What do you guys think? I feel like oftentimes genre names are like just weird and kind of arbitrary. Like first person shooter, like what a bizarre title. It's like, okay, well, the most important thing about this genre is that it is played in a first person perspective. And the next most important thing about this genre is that you shoot people. And it's like, well, okay, does portal count then? It, it's, it all ends up being arbitrary and it's like nice to have buckets sometimes. And there's this bucket of things that we can all kind of agree are walking simulators, but I don't know if the name really fits super well. It's close enough. It gets an idea across, but is it possible? Yeah, I feel like it's in its own genre just because, I mean, like Steam categorizes this as like an action adventure game, which I what? think is <laughs> kind <laughs> of a little off the mark, um, especially yeah. with the action part. But yeah, but I think it's interesting. Like, I, I feel like this game is kind of in its own realm. And it's actually one of the first games to be coined, like have the have the phrase walking similar simulator be bestowed upon it and since then there's been many other games uh that have kind of taken on the same premise as dear esther such as like you know firewatch and gone home but as far as i'm aware dear esther was the first game to really be called a walking simulator for what it had to offer um but at the same time i don't know when i think of walking simulator i kind of just think you know, you just kind of walk on a track. And this game just offered so much more than that, um, just both with its story, but also in the way it presents its story. And so, yeah, I honestly don't think there's like, I don't think there's, you know, this game should be put in a bucket. Does anyone else Let just me come at you from the opposite direction. All right. I think this is definitely a walking simulator. <clears throat> I think that Walking Simulator is an extremely accurate way to describe this game. Uh, I mean, simulator is kind of not the right word, but it's like, it's a joke, it, whatever. I think that um, this game has one mechanic, and that is walking around. And um, <clears throat> the point of the descriptor Walking Simulator to me is to let people know kind of what the game is going to be like. And if, if you're interested in games where the only gameplay mechanic is walking around, then that, I mean, that's basically the most important thing to know about this game going into it. <clears throat> like, yeah, if you're if, like, if, if you're going to enjoy this game, then chances are, you you're going to enjoy games called walking simulators at least ones that don't you know suck at least ones that have good storytelling so like yeah. if you get past like, the name there is a value in being able to differentiate these types of games based on this name this is sort of what i'm getting I, maybe maybe that's yeah. like too far yeah. because like to me but i don't even okay, i ahead. don't even think that it's it's like an unfair descriptor do you like what do you do in this game walk but like you right? can't even you can't even manually crouch or turn on your own flashlight. These things all happen automatically. You literally you can't jump or anything like that. Your literal only inputs are W A S and D, and I guess left click to zoom in slightly. Yes. Also right click to zoom in slightly. Yeah. And on the <laughs> game pad, every other button to zoom in slightly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but like, okay, so that's that's fair. But like, don't don't. Am I just crazy to think that when you make, not you, but when one or somehow this name comes out of the ether, um, this walking simulator name, that that just like t- draws all these similarities with like I don't know fucking Euro Truck Simulator and like fucking like uh, what's that game? Uh, I want to say golf simulator that probably exists, but circus goat simulator, simulator, circus simulator, yeah. <laughs> like all these other just like really troll games. And then it's like this like really intense story, like very serious, takes itself very seriously. Game is just like in there's a walking. So it just feels like such a diss. Like the category name is might as well be like garbage game. And you're like, well, actually, see, it really fits because <laughs> there's there's trash in the game that you pick up as one of the resources. I don't know, but you know, we've I mean, now just alienated the entire. Uh, listener base that enjoys the Euro Truck Simulator games, which are actually very popular. Oh no, it's not farming simulator games, which are also very popular. I'm just trying to draw a line that says I think we can, uh, you know, listen. Everybody draws their own line, and who knows what goes on which side. But what I can tell you is, I think we can draw a pretty safe line between Dear Esther on one side and Euro Truck Simulator on the other side. You know what I'm saying? Like that's true. I think so. Should we call this game a visual novel? could be an interactive yeah, I, I was gonna say like i feel like i would want to call it like a visual novel i mean that calls to mind things like doki doki literature club though like i agree that so simulator the whole simulator subgenre has been kind of taken over by other things since the release of terrestrial um but like the walking simulator genre for people who are in the know like this defines a very specific subset of games games like this games like the stanley parable uh firewatch tacoma um, those sorts of games all kind of go in this bucket of walking simulator, which is to say that there aren't complicated technical execution things you have to do, and there aren't really even puzzles you have to solve in most of these games. It's literally just walking through a narrative. And whether or not the specific naming walking simulator fits or not, I think is kind of irrelevant because all genre names are silly and often bad. Um, like first-person shooters, again, a very bad name for a genre. Call them Doom clones. Um, right, yeah, go back to the OG days where they were all Doom clones. Um, or Dota clones eventually turned into MOBAs, which is a semi-fitting name, I guess. Uh, but I think that the walking simulator subgenre, if, for, as someone who understands what that is, and I get that maybe different people have different lines that they draw, this is an archetypical walking simulator. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. There are good and bad walking simulators. So speaking of good and bad walking simulators, I'm curious how people felt about the move speed. Considering there's only one thing you can do in this game, the move speed is a very key component to how it is experienced. And I'm just curious, like, I, I wonder if people are split on that. I know that in their developer commentary, they talked about how that was one of the things that people definitely complained about for sure, and other people liked. But I'm just curious, what do you guys think? I'm guessing, this is my guess, that Adam hated it. And then, hmm, let's see, Gabe... Gabe, like, did, hated it at first and then maybe came to appreciate it a little bit towards the end. That's my guess. What do you guys think? Um, what well, about since, everybody else? No, I don't guess care about for it. all of us. No. <laughs> <laughs> since I was called out first, um, I wouldn't say I hated it. I would say I noticed it. Um, it is sluggish. And there were times where I was just getting from a point to another point and thinking, like... I would see something and want to explore over there and kind of groan a little bit, thinking that I would have to amble my way at two miles an hour in that general direction. Um, I felt that it could have been made a little bit faster, but at the same time, um, I could understand why they would have chosen to make it slow. Um, 
which I can get into more later after other people have given their thoughts on the sluggish pace. So then Gabe, confirm or deny <clears throat> you hated this? Uh, I think I'm in a similar boat to Adam, where it's kind of like I noticed it uh, because Keenan and I noticed at times where like you would, I mean, it's like pretty much the same speed all throughout. So you'd be climbing, you know, like through the caves up like, you know, wet rocks up a steeper incline and you're moving at the same speed as like you would on a flat, just even ground. And I, I definitely had it too, where it's like, okay, yeah, something looks really cool over there, but do I really want to sit through slowly meandering over there to check it out to what would honestly be nothing much of a payout? Maybe some more crazy shit drawn on the wall in uh, luminescent paint. Yeah, copy-pasted. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Keenan jumps in, just like throw a little like disc, just like a rock, just like into the... Yeah, Nice. Um, so, Keenan, what do you think about the movement speed? Were you mad that you couldn't climb on a rocks? I feel like as a climber, that just like would tilt you off the face of the planet. I think you know how I feel about that kind of thing, which is, yes, it tilts me endlessly that you can't walk up the slightly elevated face, but it's okay. I found That's myself getting stuck about. a lot on the rocks to the point where I had to drown myself and get an achievement because of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm noticing that everyone seems to have played the landmark edition, and I played the original. <clears throat> How do you acquire the original? I'm just curious. Yeah, right. I couldn't get it. I have had it since the ages of antiquity. I don't. I think it was a humble bundle thing. How old are you? <laughs> I am ageless. Yeah, he's also a computer. <laughs> it's like the other computers here are just to like you know stall and sort of direct attention away from Adam being a computer. Makes How many achievements did you get for dying? Two. There's two. Okay. And that's, that's actually an interesting part that they talk about in the commentary well. that, um, well, I kind of want to actually go back a little bit about the walking yep. portion because I, I, I enjoyed it my first playthrough and then the second playthrough with commentary was when I started getting a little annoyed with it. But I think that's just because the replayability of this game is... Well, actually, there's more replayability to this game than meets the eye, but definitely when you're achievement hunting and having to go through the game again, you kind of start getting a little impatient. But I did like the pace of the game on my first playthrough just because to me, it just kind of, it was a very nice meditative pace for me where these, as you're walking, these bits of dialogue come and one interesting thing to note is that the dialogue in this game, so the game itself mechanically is linear, but the dialogue is very not so. It's all over the place. It's very disjointed. You know, bits of story from the, you know, that from your conclusion is actually put at the beginning of the game. So everything doesn't really make sense at first. And then as the game goes on, you start connecting the dots. And so at least at the beginning of the game as you're walking and this line of dialogue comes up and you kind of just have to sit there and just think like, hmm, like, what does he mean by this? Is this metaphorical? Is this an actual thing? Who's this person that he talks about? And so to me, it was just a nice way to easily digest the dialogue as I was progressing throughout the game without feeling like the game was going too fast for me or that I needed to make conclusions much quicker than I needed to. 
Um, and I think that coupled with the music that they add with this game, just these very minimalist orchestral notes to kind of accompany your slow walking style, I just thought it was a great artistic decision on their part. There's a great quote that the commentary talks about in terms of that, where they say the musician, and I don't know her name and I'm not gonna look it up, um, says she specifically wanted to let space for the player to dream like as they move through this. And then they go on to talk about, which I think is a really fascinating conversation about just this game does not hit you with the wall of sound from the sound department. It doesn't hit you with a wall of gameplay. It doesn't hit you with a wall of sort of anything. And I mean, by wall is in, it's just, it washes over you and you can't help, but be like succumb to it. Like this game instead gives a lot of room for you to sit and ponder whatever it is for you to listen to the wonderful little like sound of the brush or the sound of drops in a cave or anything you want to listen to, you can just like sort of soak it up. And so I could see that being like a divisive point for people where some people really don't like that sort of thing. But for me, yeah, it's that meditative feel really is what it is. There's like a piece to it that I, I really appreciate in this game. And I feel like it ties really well to the movement speed and this sort of like this game feels super cohesive in that it wants you to have that space and it wants you to like walk through it and experience it slowly and thoughtfully and like the movement speed like when you're going up the hill and it being slow i actually really appreciated that because i feel like people don't run up hills typically i know keenan's like tilting he's like i run up hills okay fine you run up hills but the normal people (laughs) don't run up hills they they go slow and so it actually like gave me one of the better feelings of hiking like it evoked hiking more than i think maybe 90 percent of the games that i've played and and that have hills whereas instead of doing that weird like you're maintaining your same sprint, but you're just doing it straight up a hill or straight up a staircase. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you're not even like bobbing or anything. You're just sort of like gliding up the hill. Like they, they made sure to make it slow and methodical. Um, so I really appreciated that. Um, did anyone else, like, does anyone else like object to that concept of like just sort of slower pace where you sort of, you were like, look around and smell the roses if you would. Um, or does, does everyone um, feel like it, it fits in this game? Cause they, they talked a lot about how, they wanted to fight the artistic battle of keeping the movement slow. That was something they really wanted to do. And they said that they, you know, are really happy that they didn't cave, that they almost caved and gave a sprint. They almost caved and increased the base movement speed, but they just decided, no, no, the way this should feel, the way that this experience could be cohesive together is that it's slow, it's methodical, and it lets space for the player to dream. Well, yeah, if you could run in the game, it'd be over in like 20 minutes. <laughs> Yes, I want to see speedruns yeah. of Dear Esther. Oh my god, look um, it up. I think um, it actually does minutes. exist. I'm sure it does. What? Yeah. <laughs> Do you um, like clip through a lot of it? Well, Keenan actually did a lot of sliding down hills and stuff when we were playing, so that was actually kind of impressive. Huh? Like without dying? Um, yeah. I think this game, like the walking speed, I think they could have mitigated that problem in other ways because the only times I found myself being annoyed by the slow walking speed was when I was backtracking or like mm. there is one section where you had to kind of go in a loop or, or like, uh, yeah, when you, in one in fungal caves, there's that section where you can go up and down an underground river. And oh, yeah. once you've gone <clears throat> from one side to the other, you have to go over ground that you've already covered and then you have to walk the entire length of it twice, effectively. Um, no, you that, don't. I mean, yeah, you could just leave. But, I mean, if you want to see the, the whole thing, you have to walk the entire length of it effectively twice. Um, there and back for each half of the section. 
um, for a fairly small reward, but a nice little reward. You get to see some things. Um, but those backtracking bits were obnoxious. Um, I think that if they had laid things out just a little bit differently, they could mitigate the slow walking speed as being a pain point. Um, because I didn't notice it when I was going somewhere new. I felt that it was appropriate there. But when I was walking over areas that I've already been through and like, okay, yeah, yeah, there's nothing more to see here. Can we, can we get to the interesting stuff? Um, that was when maybe, it bothered me a little bit. Maybe they should have put in a sprinting mechanic, but only if you're moving backwards. <laughs> so you have to know where you're going. File under awful ideas. <laughs> you can like bunny hop backwards only though. Like those people. Yeah, in, exactly. In, have you seen like the Counter-Strike? Or, yeah. Or, uh, so, Half-Life half yeah, speedrun. Half-Life yeah. speedrun. That's what I'm talking so about. So it's exclusively for speedrunning and backtracking. Dude, I'm into that. We're <laughs> um, like a Big Rig's notoriously worst game ever made. Uh, you, you cap out on speed going forward pretty quickly, but if you go backwards, there's no maximum speed. <laughs> Your speedometer just keeps looping. Okay, wait. Oh so just, God. But I'm curious, though. Did you guys not get the sense that they actually put a lot of work and like meticulous effort into making the paths through the level like almost no wrong way? Like I felt like a lot of them, I was like, okay, I think I'm pretty oh. sure the direction forward is this way, but I'm going to go to a side path. And a lot of those looped around or got you to where you needed to go anyways. And I absolutely, yeah, I like, also it, felt that way. I think this game is like a masterclass in designing vistas. Um, like the whole thing feels like a walkable painting. Um, you get a lot of situations where you'll be presented with a good view, and you'll know exactly like like a paint like a good painting does. It will draw your eyes to the important things. Usually, you would see either first or second uh, the blinking red light of the aerial. Uh, and then the next interesting thing that you're trying to go to, and then maybe something something else interesting along the way. Uh, and it, it guides your eyes very carefully around the scenes. Uh, and this happened again and again. There were a lot of situations where I just knew where to go, or it would lead you somewhere by uh, tricks of the light or by tricks of uh, the um, geometry and, and the, what you're seeing. It would guide you somewhere and get you to see the things that it wants you to see. Right. Uh, it was extremely impressive that way. But even sometimes um, it would even say, like, you could go against that and say, I want to go check out what I know you don't want me to see. Not necessarily you don't want me to see, but I know you want me to go straight, I'll go left. And even then, they would oftentimes loop around and you would feel like no matter what, you were just progressing through this um, at that sort of steady pace. So I, I think that is their attempt to mitigate the <laughs> walking speed and or utilize it. So... I mean, I wouldn't. I would be lying to you if I said that I didn't backtrack ever. But the notice, like the notable times I did backtrack, was, was was I would like start going up like the side of a cliff face, something like that, and then just go. Well, typically I'd start going down, not up the cliff face, and I'd be like, "Dude, this would be so much prettier from up there." I'm going back there. Um, <laughs> whereas, like, I could have continued along the beach and eventually met a different set of stairs that would have also taken me back up to the top, or. I could have just actually progressed that way, uh, you know. So mm. it, it feels like there's like a there was a little small bit of backtracking in this game, but it was almost non-existent. And for something so natural feeling, like yeah, I agree. Like what a masterclass, right? There were uh, two specific instances that I was completely blown away by. Um, uh, like I I was going down. Um, the first time was on the beach, um, <clears throat> like pretty near the beginning when you see the, um, the like 
math spiral in the sand golden ratio yeah um and uh it like has an arrow and you go forward and you discover the like two car doors that are just washed up on the beach so actually this is actually an interesting part to interject with because it is possible that all of us have experienced this game in a different way. Yes. Because this game is actually random. Oh, with crap, really? With dialogue as well as with mm-hmm. objects. So, for instance, wow. when I was in that area, I did not see two car doors. Really? And so, therefore, the reveal of... To the listener at home, spoiler alert ahead. But to the reveal of uh, to the reveal of Esther Spoilers. dying in a uh, in a car crash, like that was revealed to me much later in the game. But for you, James, that you were confronted with that right off the bat. I had so. no idea there was a car crash involved. Aside from, I mean, like with the story, I was just like, this is a creepy ass island with some car doors that are just like in a ravine. Right. Yeah. And specifically, I, got, it, <clears throat> I was going to say the scene oh. later, there was a, the, the underwater scene where you're in like that highway section. Like, get, yeah. uh, what do you see there? Because there's two options. There's the option of the, it's like the hospital bed or something like that with like a, you know, like a bag that, you know, you would have insulin or something that you would have if someone was dying or needed assistance. And then the other is just two cra- like crashed cars. So, that's the one I got. The two crash cars. Okay. So yeah. I got the hospital bed, but there was a car door on the ground. Hmm. So there's different um, levels of like how much subtlety there is with how much they're going to reveal the story to you, uh, depending on your randomness. I yeah cannot and actually oh, like with with the lines of dialogue as well. There's different ways that the story can be twisted for each person, and different ways in which they can interpret the story from, you know, the characters that are playing to what the characters are doing. Um, There's a lot of very different lines of dialogue. I actually looked up all the lines of dialogue that you could possibly get in each area. And holy crap, some like some phrases of dialogue are like so different from each other that I could just see us like if we ever attempted to like make sense of this game, which I'm sure we will get into later, but like I feel like some of us are gonna be like, no, because the dialogue said this, and they're like, mine didn't say that, <laughs> but like, yeah, but yeah. I, do you know? Do you happen to know if the dialogue is like consistently random? Like if it chooses one of three tracks and it makes you go through, you know, you see all the hints of the car crashes and and they talk about the car crashes and the drunk drivers and etc. Um, or if it's just chooses choosing randomly at every point. Wait, there was um, a drunk driver? For me, there was. Yep. Oh, yep, there was There was one for me. But So, like, it's, it's essentially, like, each area that a line of dialogue triggers is, like, one of four options. But there's, like, uh. a general area in which lines of dialogue will trigger. Like, so, for instance, usually, actually, all the options of dialogue, when you first start the game, it all starts with a Dear Esther, blah, blah, blah. So you're uh, never going to get different. Like, what did, what did you get? Uh, so, okay. I went, tried playing through the very beginning of it. Um, I wanted to see one thing, which this makes me feel less insane now. Cause that thing wasn't there when I checked for it this time. 
Uh, I played through uh, yesterday and I came back today to check something. And the dialogue line that I got at first was just, I washed up on the shore with the sand and, and the salt and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the stones weighing down on my belly or whatever. Um, I got like, that one. It was a different line of dialogue at the very beginning. Like even the hook in this game can be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's actually pretty, That that's pretty interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> Which well, makes me feel a little bit better because I did not understand at all what was happening. <laughs> yes. A so second I, that I would just Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I actually feel like so I really like this game. I really, really like this game. But I will say to me, it's cardinal sin is this randomness that we're talking about. It to me, this is horrible. It adds nothing and it destroys the conversation we're about to try to have. Because we in fact did not <laughs> see the same things. And in fact, they talk a lot about how they say, like, we want you to be constantly confused and second-guessing and in this constant state of questioning, which that's very reasonable. And that's like, welcome to small indie movies or whatever, and I love that shit. But the thing is, they basically said outright, like, in, in many ways, we don't actually want to craft, like, a way of interpreting out of this. We kind of just want to leave it open, and then we want to leave it so open that we randomize it. And there definitely is some some consistent through lines through this game and through the different interpretations and that's all super reasonable and, and and that makes it better but to me the idea that i would play through this game and and miss the fact there's an ultrasound on one of the tables that's that hints that dear that not dear esther but that esther is pregnant right like these sorts of things that and, and they talked about it in the commentary like this is such an amazing moment for the people who got it and i'm like what the fuck dude that wasn't me like why did you do that um yeah so i got that that that's i i i i just cannot wrap my head around why this is a good thing other than perhaps for replayability or for some sort of mystique or, or something after the fact but to me it just seems like why would you why would you rob people of the experience of, of some of the power of some of this experience i i just can't i can't reason it in the end in the end on the um in one of the candle shrines was that a um an ultrasound machine or is that a randomized thing in the shrine or is that some other piece of uh medical equipment i i got what i think was an ultrasound machine i didn't know if it was an ultrasound machine or at least for me one of the lines of dialogue talked about how they had to restart paul's heart yeah and so i didn't know if it was also maybe a uh a defibrillator that's what I thought. Oh, I see. It was. I see. I, I originally thought that as well, but I also didn't get any lines about restarting people's hearts. So, <laughs> so, that, so yeah, like maybe we can't like have the a ambiguity. <laughs> well, but maybe like the ambiguity of the model of that thing. Then, so like depending on you know the lines of dialogue you get, you see an ultrasound machine or a defibrillator. Um, yeah, sure. it's. really quite interesting because i kind of agree with mccoy in that this sort of destroys a lot of like this could have been a very carefully crafted experience and that they chose not to do this was really interesting and i really i I disagree with it but i really wanted to come to this podcast and have mccoy be like so i understand the story because i read (laughs) yeah (laughs) up on it and uh clearly that's not gonna happen oh, that's Zoe's i role. was also hoping this, someone yeah. else understood the story oh you're right yeah. i i should have assumed that zoe would be the person to go to yeah no she understands uh, yeah. these things i don't but know. something about like I ha- fear and this is sadness or something like from grace you know i what think I, mean? 
I mean, I think even despite the randomness, I think there is at least some things that any line, any tree of dialogue could hint at of what the story is about. And there is a lot that's kind of left up to interpretation in terms of like, for instance, like for me, my hard hitting question was, is any of this real? Like, is the is are we actually playing the narrator washed up on shore and coming with him on his journey traversing through the space or is this all just a figment of his imagination is the island just representative of this barren wasteland that is his you know crippling depression after his wife's death because it's devoid of all life and there's trash on the shores like there's a lot of things that i think we could talk about um but then who are I mean, the hermits in that? I, I couldn't even figure out who was what and what was who. Like, I didn't know who the player character was. At the very end, I got this line about Esther Donnelly and Paul Jacob Jacobson. And like, those things don't line up at all. And I would never heard anything about Esther or the wife dying. I didn't know. I had no idea who anyone was except for Donnelly, because Donnelly was supposed to be the guy who wrote about the island. And Jacobson was supposed to be a shepherd. That's all the information I had, and those weren't even particularly super important characters. You didn't to, like the rest of the stuff. You didn't hear that Jakobsen like was the first guy to ever come out to this island. I mean, yeah, I heard that the Jakobsen was like a shepherd, and Donnelly came and, and did some document uh, documenting about him. But I had no idea who the player character was, who Esther was, um, or or who died in a car crash. The the dialogue is very poetic. It's. It's definitely, yeah. <laughs> it, it uses language and word choice and uh, it it says certain aspects of the stories in ways that you have to really think about to fully understand. And what I mean by that is like, like, and this is why I think the meditative walking is so important, but like, I think for me, the reason I knew that Esther died in a car crash wasn't because he says Esther died died at the hands of a drunk driver it was just said like esther made opaque by the car of a drunk or something like that and so that's Mm. when as i was walking i was like okay i think that means she died from a drunk driver and sure enough like as the car imagery popped up for me in different places of the game um and as well as the shrines at the end like that confirmed it for me but at first, it's not all that apparent unless you really have to you really have to think about the dialogue, which is why I think the walking is so important. Um, I think you also sort of have to get lucky with the dialogue, but look, it's there definitely, are definitely made more clear. Lines. Yeah, there's it's definitely more clear in some lines than others for sure. Yeah, like um, I didn't mean to like undo it entirely to say that I I didn't understand why they would put the randomness in there, but like, it's just um, it's like when you said like oh yes, like that poetic line about how she became op- opaque because of the car of drunks. Like it's like I don't, I'm not sure that I didn't hear that line, but I don't think I got that line, and it's just it's for a game that especially with commentary mode, but just even the first time. Like when you look at this game and you look around, especially with the slow movement speed, and you just observe what they've designed in terms of the level and the map, it's like every, it's not every stone, 
you know, but it really feels like they put every single piece together to have such an intentionality behind it that we've talked about in terms of taking sidetracks and then they pull you back or they're having these incredible vistas that are not just incredibly beautiful from a composition standpoint, but they also direct you directly where you need to go so you're never lost. There's this flashing red beacon, which is like a different color palette than this sort of drawn, uh, not drawn, so like sort of like drab, gray, like everything's sun-kissed, you know, all that stuff. And they do all of this then to just randomize the, the stuff they're giving you. It's just like that, that to me just... <laughs> It just is like, dude, you were making such a meticulously beautifully crafted game and then you just rolled the dice. And I just, I, I don't, I, again, I don't mean to totally undo it because I actually, yeah, like we've said, there's many throughputs that are very uh, consistent and you, you do get some sort of idea from this. Um, but I just, I don't see why you would do that. I, I I don't know why you would take moments that you feel are so powerful and 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 hide them from people. I, I I don't know. I mean, I can see this now that I'm thinking about it. Um, like I I just found out, you know, basically right at the start of the podcast that there were was this randomness. Um, so I think people touched on this before, but the game sort of tries to evoke a kind of dream feel. Uh, there's even a line, at least that I was lucky enough to get about how the island always feels half imagined. Um, so this whole kind of questioning reality and questioning um, the, the dreamscape effectively that you end up walking through, and that kind of ties into the inability to have a consistent experience, even from one time to the next. Um, I encountered, I think, at least one moment where the game gaslighted me very slightly. Um <laughs> It's like, yo, dude, you, you left your keys there. And you're like, did I? Yeah. No, it was, so um, I, there's a cave that you can go to and it looks into another cave that you end up getting to later. And there is a flashing red beacon down there. Uh, and I, there you know, is. well, there was for me, sort of, because uh, I paused the game and I went to type this in my notes and I unpaused the game and it was gone. Hmm. Uh, and I'm like, well, that's rather interesting. Because, like, throughout the game, they use red lights to guide you. It's either, like, the candles that are guiding you or the flashing red aerial that are gui- that's guiding you. And there was a flashing red light in this cave that they kind of want you to go to. Um, it's like a little side thing that you can go and explore. So, like, that, that flashing red light was there and then disappeared was kind of interesting for me. Um, and I don't know how they did that. or And I'm still questioning whether it was there because when I went back and checked the second time, it wasn't. They say there's a lot of just kind of hidden secrets in like just the editor mode of this game as well. Um, like, I guess if you go in editor mode and zoom out on the island, like the trees actually make the shape of the M5 that they talk about, which is the site of the car crash. Oh, Moscow 5? Like, no. <laughs> I knew it's, that was going to happen. Come on. Okay. <laughs> but it's but a yeah, British I mean, highway for people that don't know. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I think, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to be in disagreement that the randomness is what effectively ruins this game. Because I do think there are some, I I do think there is a general idea that you can get this game. And the fact that each player experience is very unique is something I find to be very special. Um, And like, I can understand in some ways, like it might seem ridiculously confusing to some people um 
especially given like the the tree of dialogue that you are presented with. But um, I think just the fact that we're able to even have these conversations and kind of have these aha moments and then we see the game in a completely different light, I think that's something to be celebrated and not necessarily think it's a failure on this game's part. So I'm actually curious, uh, like Keenan specifically, or, or Gabe and Keenan, just like, so you guys also maybe like it's it god it feels like we're admitting like some like crazy like faux pas of like god i didn't really totally understand this game coming through but like as someone who admitted already that it was tough to follow like did you enjoy this game like i'm just curious what you guys got out of it uh knowing that the sort of consistency of the story was a little bit like confusing or, or whatever else uh not particularly I was intrigued at first by the uh, mysterious, like, Call of Cthulhu kind of creepy vibes going on. And then as it progressed, I was just confused pretty much and annoyed. <laughs> That's about where it went. And that would lead you to a copy and paste opinion of the, <laughs> of the art on the wall. <laughs> All of it was the same. There were like five. It was yeah. the squid thing, the molecule, and then like the electro schematic. And that was it. I think there might have been two electronic schematics. Two. Maybe they were different. Two sure. or three. And some of the molecules were yeah. wildly different, but And I think the squid was the squid thing like a neuron? Could have been. No, that makes sense. I think it was a there neuron was a, yeah, and a different a one, yeah. Squid bolt. Oh, okay. So So we're up to at least six. So let me ask this though. Like if how do i say it's like also go ahead go ahead i want to i want to talk about those paintings they were painted with like luminescent paint right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which was exactly the same luminescence and color as the like moss uh it's a metaphor james you wouldn't understand yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> i was like so why doesn't he just like is is the paint like made from the moss and then like put into paint cans and then sold back to the place where they <laughs> get the moss? No, the moss, <laughs> the luminescent paint and the moss. Or did he paint all of the there. moss onto the cave? No, the luminescent paint I think washed up in a shipwreck. Mm. Or is none of it right. real? Huh? I mean, huh? that's right, also right, right. technically yes, it is a video game. Good job, you noticed. The other uh, thing that I kind of bothered that kind of bothered me was like all of the water that was underground on that island. Like, where the hell was that coming from? I'm, I'm sure if a geologist played this game, they would have an aneurysm. <laughs> wow! So, so that weapon. that bothered me until I realized that, like, being in the cave was probably like in your in in the person's head. I thought you were going to say incredible. Because I, I would take the that only, too. The only overt <laughs> moment that's like clearly a hallucination is the the, the highway scene we talked about what? earlier. Um, the, where where you like where you you fall in a this is you fall super super deep into some water and then you can swim around and look at either a hospital gurney or a car car crash. And then but at the end of wake the, up. at the end of the whole cave sequence, I woke up in a cave that had no entrance to like where I could have possibly come out of. Oh, I, I missed that. 
Um, so to me, that was like, okay, this was a like a fever dream type sh- scenario. See, and we- then very shortly after that, he talked about Paul from the Bible, like having a near death experience and then being resuscitated with somebody hitting him on the chest with rocks and waking up and being like, I have spoken to God. So, um, and so that was clearly connected to me, but I didn't understand what the hell was going on. Notably, it also could have been from when the narrator talked about like sliding down the hill or whatever and breaking his femur. And then having just to like load up on painkillers to stay like in the moment, which would kind of be the opposite. That doesn't make any fucking sense from a medical point of view. Yeah. You wouldn't take painkillers to stay focused. That tilted me. (laughs) (laughs) Medical professionals across the world are tilting at this video game. Geologists and medical professionals unite against your answer. Same with geologists. I mean, like, I think there's a good point in that, like, us as the player are cursed with the fact that we are presented with an unreliable narrator. A narrator who, at first, when you start playing the game, seems like a trustworthy enough individual or somebody that you want to listen to. But then, I think it's just... Did everyone get the dialogue about him breaking his femur? Is that a constant line that everyone gets? It seems to be. I got that, yeah. Yeah, so... um, and, And shortly after that line you can kind of slowly like his dialogue in whichever manner just begins to fray into this delusional mad speak and there's even some instances where this madness is visually displayed such as in the cave when towards towards the end of the cave level you kind of come across a passageway that is just lit up with this glow paint that is just scribbling all of this nonsense about Paul on the road to Damascus and um, talking about, you know, all these, well, there's all the drawings as well, but it's like literally just like scrawled on the walls in this like incoherent nonsense, which is when you kind of, as the player realize like, dude, this guy's fucked. Notably, right is, is it incoherent nonsense or is it actual direct quotes from some <laughs> translation of the Bible? Yeah. Well, I feel like, like, was I missing biblical context around this? So, so, like, I feel um, like I was missing biblical no, context. No, so um, I, I actually did look it up because I kept on seeing the word Damascus everywhere. And for, so, like, I was just like, I've heard this somewhere. I've heard this somewhere. And so I think I just literally Googled Paul Damascus and it's actually a biblical story of... Um, yeah, the it, it's it's basically a biblical story about redemption. There's a guy named Saul, and he's like a bad which person, which is the same as Paul. Well, FYI. Saul, who becomes Paul after he's redeemed by Jesus. Spoilers, um, Jesus. We didn't call that out for the Bible, <laughs> but but it is a story about redemption of a guy who's done a terrible thing. Um, and he's blind, like he gets blinded and he doesn't eat or drink for three days. And then Jesus comes and restores his sight and he renames himself Paul. And so it is a story about redemption, which then got me thinking like this storyline then is probably like his trek around the island is maybe a redemption journey of his own where he is suffering over the loss of his wife and his only redemption is 
what do you think at the end? Is it suicide? Does he actually become a bird? Is, you know, does he, is, if it's a metaphorical island, then what does him throwing himself from the aerial actually mean? Um, but, I, yeah. I feel like, do we all agree that the player character and the narrator are the same? No. I, I didn't get that sense. No, I, I honestly don't. don't think it is. Like, I, I don't believe it is. Okay. I actually think it is, but that's fine. Yeah, I don't. I don't know <laughs> anymore. In fact, I never knew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I think it might be, but just in the the sense of like he kills himself because he's upset and his femur broke. <laughs> to me, to me, what the game was from my point of view is that it was him kind of recounting his life and mainly like Esther and him doing like one kind of final, like walk around the Island kind of recounting his story, her story, everything about the Island and then culminating with him climbing the tower and then being like, I'm coming Esther. I like, I miss you too much. I don't want to be here anymore alone. And I think it was a suicide but then when the camera does that dive up, I think that's kind of more of a metaphorical, like, now he's ascending to be with her. Like he's released. Yeah. Are you sure? Did everybody get so... the creepy shadow figures? Yeah, yeah I was going to ask about that, too. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, on the, on the mountain on the way up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are ghosts yeah. in this game. Well, I mean, he's there before you start ascending the mountain. Hmm. I missed that. Yeah, he's he's and there then, before you ascend, and then also when you're kind of coming around the corner, you can see. Yeah, he's like at the end of inside the, the gate. Well, he's, the, he's uh, at that first house. The fence. Not not the yeah, lighthouse. What? The first house. Yeah, when you're climbing up. There's, I didn't see any of these. Oh, really? There's huh? nine what? ghosts. So there's nine ghosts that you can see. Some of them are random. So Keenan saw the one at the lighthouse. Um. And yeah, I think you can see it like through the window or something like that. No, or not like the lighthouse, but the, the one on top, the one of, the top of the hill, the windless hill. Yeah, the one that has the, the oh, sleeping okay. bag in it. Oh, okay. Mm. The one with the bird that jumps out? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's that red. Oh, that's, I think, the red light that I may have seen. Yeah, so it's like the, there's, it's weird. Like the developer said they like purposely made these like ghosts figures that you kind of see out of the corner of your eye that they make disappear like immediately upon your character like panning so it kind of just adds to that idea of you know this dreamlike quality of the game where you see stuff and then you kind of double take but you don't see anything and then you're questioning whether you actually saw this or not like for me um towards the beginning of the level after you pass the lighthouse and you go up a grassy knoll, you can actually go into a cave that opens up and you can look down into a second cave. Um, that's yeah. Hermit cave. Um, or, yeah, the hermit cave. And when I looked down there the first time, there is a ghost standing at the mouth of the cave flashing a yellow beacon at me. Um, yeah. which ended up actually being Morse code for Damascus. Fun fact. That's the one that I saw. Um, yeah. And that's and so, why I disappeared because it wasn't. Yeah. And so, yeah, the second time I played through, I was like, okay, so I should go up here and see this ghost. And it wasn't there. So then I was thinking, did I actually see this? Like, what is Wait, it? Are they all supposed to disappear when you look at them? Some of them, yes. Others, Okay, because no. I was going to say, most of the ones we saw 
ended up you could just like center them into frame and just watch them and they wouldn't move until you had like progressed closer to them mm -hmm. hmm. like there's one um in the there's one that i saw in my first playthrough that i thought i was seeing things but it actually turns out i wasn't but when you're walking through the candle shrine along the shore of the beach um in one of the water pools um, instead of a candle being reflected back, it's a face, like a skull kind of creepy face. And so I saw that the first time I passed through. So I backed up and looked again, but it was a candle. But I was like, I swear to God, that was something different. But mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's just a cool little ghost element, I guess, that they have. The studio eventually went on to make um, Amnesia a machine for pigs. Apparently. Oh, really? Really? Did they make Amnesia the Dark Descent as well? I don't mm -hmm. believe so. No. Um, I think this is the case. Let me let me fact check myself here. Yeah, they they did they did do Machine for Pigs, but they did not do the original Amnesia. Hmm. Okay, um, I've heard yeah. less good things about Machine for Pigs. I mean, this but game I'm definitely never gonna has play either one. The glimmerings of a horror game. Like I I kept expecting this game to be a horror game, and then it sort of wasn't. Question mark. Like, you've got distorted choirs, and it's kind of a creepy, dreary island, um, and there's, you know, instances where it gaslights you or shows you impossible things. Um, and these ghosts are all, like, I didn't notice the ghosts. I saw what apparently was one ghost, but it was so far away and so hard to see that I didn't parse it as a ghost. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of interesting what this game does at you. Yeah. It's it's definitely a, a very unique creative choice that I appreciate that this game did. So um, then I guess, yeah. you know, it's listen, I, I will admit that like having this conversation like more and more interests me in this sort of randomness they're doing, but do you think the next step is to is to orchestrate? Because it, it clearly is about the playthroughs it's about let's let's be clear these this type of game is a sort of missed type feel game like it feels like it's inspired a lot by that sort of very clear attention that you pay to, to the environment around you so you can figure out what's going on uh, and i think actually that might have led to some of the disappointment or at least frustration say when you're like oh there's only five cave paintings on the wall and it's like well that's probably because you were I'm not saying this in you in particular, Keenan, but I'm just saying that like that probably someone was writing it down in their notes like they had done for Mist because they thought this was going to lead to an answer on a puzzle later that that never comes and and it turns out that like trying to make sense of it so intensely actually kind of backfires on you um, a little bit. But if if you think about like they are making it for the type of person that likes to walk through this world and that likes to like be very attentive and likes to just try to soak up as much as they possibly can. And there's all these tidbits on a second playthrough or a third playthrough you get because of the randomness. Do you think they would be better off? And I don't have an answer for this. I'm just posing this. Do you think they'd be better off at actually orchestrating the playthroughs? Like say the first one shows these hints and tells the second one shows these hints and tells and the third one culminates at all of them or none of them or something like that. Like, do you think if, if their intention was to sort of, give morsels over time for the people who wanted to play it again do you think they could have maybe crafted that in of itself or or what do you guys think um so i okay cool 
Uh, well, that's a problem for the podcast. Actually, no, that's one um, of the third dialogue options that you can randomly get. <laughs> uh, to answer your question, McCoy, um, I think that that could be an interesting choice for some games. Doki Doki Literature Club sort of did that um, in the sense that it progresses over the course of several playthroughs. It would I don't think it would have worked particularly well if you were seeing largely the same things and there were just a few choices that advanced. Um, and I also think that that is fundamentally a different type of thing than what, than what they're going for here. I think the sense that I got, and I didn't get the developer commentary, um, was that they were trying to make a, an experience that defies your ability to reason about it. Um, so, you know, you get all these disjointed bits of dialogue that only ever hint at things. Um, you see what could only really be described as a whole lot of nonsense. Uh, this reference to Paul and uh, these recurring motifs with the cars um, and these paintings of synapses and chemical uh, and chemicals um, and, you know, nonsense like these folded paper boats and candles that have been lit for who knows how long, despite there being no one else in the island that you can see, um, except for, I guess, apparently ghosts. Um so I think they tried to craft a experience that provides you with a feeling, but defies one's ability to get a solid narrative out of it. Um, I think it is experiential and kind of emotional, but not narrative. Yeah, the writer actually talks about that um, in the in the developer commentary, where he basically says that, like, especially at that time, but perhaps even still like games just like to hint at something and then just write it out explicitly like as in just show you and here by the way is the resolution of the entire story and every character's role in it and he was just talking a lot about how he felt and there's this quote that i wrote down like the player's imagination is the greatest tool you have in the designer's toolkit and what he's talking about is you don't give it all and that he wanted to flirt that line between giving enough that you can start to create your own stories but not too much that it either shatters your stories or it forces you down one particular path he wanted it to be like you really weren't entirely sure and so you were trying to figure it out and trying to to let your sort of imagination like flicker like the candlelight on a cave or something like that you know what i mean uh and you can really so it's 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 awesome that you got that from it and i because i think it was such an intentional choice was was to really withhold a lot of the information in order to make sure that that there is exposition there, but at the same time you're you're still guessing. You're still trying to look for it and still try to puzzle it together and so that you're you're doing that work in your own head as opposed to and, and, letting the game do all the work. You know what I mean? And and in that sense I think that I now understand why they chose to randomize things, because that further defies your ability to make sense of things. You can't go back like they give you these flowery, these moments of flowery pose that borders on poetry, and that's the narrator. And I found it hard to parse. Like it was, I think, deliberately. Now that I'm examining it, uh, deliberately difficult to understand. And you get the text that you can read along with it, um, which is nice for uh, disability reasons and etc. But um, it's gone after that. It's you. You can't go back and read a log of what happened and try and piece together what's going on. And if you go back and try to listen to it a second time, it's gone. You get a different line this time, most likely. So it defies one's ability to... It actively resists one's ability to try to find a story in it outside of the story that your mind kind of automatically generates around this stuff. 
um, which is more vague. Yeah, and then there is consistent. I mean, it sounds like from what Zoe's saying in terms of these lines and stuff like that, and from what I've a little I've seen, it does sound like there is some consistent ideas that they do eventually just craft. And so, mm. may, like, maybe the way to think about this game is after three playthroughs or something like that, you've really crystallized what this world can show you, and you've started to like clear the fog of that dream. But on first playthrough, depending on what you get, there could definitely be fog, and there definitely is some confusion that will just sort of, at least for me, let me sit there puzzled, just like, you know, the, the classic thing that everyone everyone thinks all the time, just like I do, which is like, God, am I an idiot? Or do I not understand <laughs> this? Um, but I was, yeah, I was hoping someone would tell me what this game meant, um, because I certainly didn't get it. And I think, actually, Zoe has done a decent job at telling us what it meant in some ways, at least, or what the, 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 the kernels are that feed some of these different ideas and different interpretations. And after that, there's just sort of this flicker mm-hmm. of ideas yeah i mean there's essentially like I, I think there are like probably about three or four different valid backed up by evidence ways that you can interpret this story um like i for one given the lines of dialogue that i got i actually believe that the narrator was the drunk driver that killed esther Uh um and it wasn't a second like there was no second paul in fact i think paul is just a um kind of like a split personality of the narrator as this redemptive more um you know more merciful uh individual that the narrator wishes to take on um only because there's a lot of details about paul's life that the narrator just kind of just knows that you're like wait a minute paul's a stranger why would you why would you even think that but then there's also some lines where the narrator talks about his own sobriety and his lack thereof so I kind of took that to mean that the narrator was actually the one responsible for his wife's death and also for me, I saw the ultrasound picture in my playthrough, so I was like, okay, so not only did he kill his wife, but he killed his unborn child as well, and this is his redemptive, redemptive road was this island. But there's other playthroughs that say that, you know, Paul and the narrator are separate people because of the lines of dialogue they get. There's other people that are like, there is no character, it's just all about Esther. It's very interesting. Yeah, I I just hmm. This is a little bit of a of a tangent away, but I just I feel like we can't go further without just talking about how visually stunning this is. I know we talked a little bit about composition, but was anyone else just like utterly blown away? Like, and I say that before I get to, before I open the the before I pass the what talking frog. Um, it's like <laughs> when I first was was shown this game. Right? Like, you can't help but judge it by its cover. I say that because you are shown a lighthouse, a pretty generic lighthouse, in a pretty generic sort of rundown island look with some, you know, fog or rain clouds or something like that. And it's like this just looks like an older game made with an older engine with older assets, and it could be cool. And actually, a lot of their marketing material and a lot of their images that they show. Uh oh. 
What? Did we lose him? He's gone. I don't know. Am I gone? I we did. Am I gone? Just, uh -oh. just like that? The ghost. Oh, thank God. Oh, God. So there was something that I wanted to talk oh, about man. that uh, <laughs> we ended up moving on to something else. Uh, now that McCoy is dead, you can do it. Wow. Which is vaguely related to what McCoy was trying to say uh, before technology destroyed his ability to speak. Um, so I'm sure that when uh, we splice together all the audio without the te uh, issues, um, I won't do that. I'll be talking over you for a second. Uh, but anyways, what I w what I wanted to get to earlier was um, that there were two times in the game when uh, the thing that you're supposed to do is turn around and go back, mm -hmm. and there's a new way to go that just you did not see. At least I didn't see. Same thing. Yeah, I was <clears> going <throat> to remark thought, on that. Yeah, I I like it blew my mind both times. I was like, oh my god, there's there's a staircase right there. What the hell? I didn't see that at all. I even had that in my notes. Was that staircase there before? It was. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, they do such a good job of guiding the player. Um, there's like so many instances, probably a list of like 10 instances where the game guides you to a place for a specific reason. Um, like uh, you can go out onto the pier and Okay, yeah, this is a, like a really good example of this. So there's that shipwreck with luminous paint in like all the shipping containers. And you can go out um, along like a pier towards another boat wreck or something. Um, and it kind of draws you out there because you want to look at that. And then I, at least for this at this moment, got a, a line. How did they get here if their ship had a bottom? Because it's a reference to the, the hermit um, that, you know, traveled to this island in a ship without the bottom. And you turn around to look at the ship that you had just passed by, and written on there um, is, I think, uh, that it, uh, it's one of those Damascus lines that ends up being repeated like twelve think, times. Yeah, he did not eat or drink for three days or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. 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 So like right. we probably all got to see this because the game, like in another game, I may never have like gone over there or bothered looking back carefully at that ship. Um, but the game guides you over there and then tells you to turn around, but it doesn't do it in explicit terms. Um, another good instance is where there's a candle far out on a pier and you go to examine it because you are drawn to the red light. You've been kind of taught throughout the rest of the game to go towards red lights. Um, and you get there and you turn around kind of, I at least knew intuitively that this was a vista and it's one of the few places where you can very, very clearly see a bunch of parallel white lines scored into the cliff face, which was, you know, a sign of pestilence. Um, so there's just so many instances where they guide the eye uh, in a way that is, it feels like it translates from painting. Right when they first mentioned those parallel lines, when you look ahead of you, did you see like massive parallel gouges in the mm -hmm. side mm -hmm. of the mountain? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think and there's like another instance where like um, towards the end of the first chapter, you kind of come across all these like hedgestone like structures, which is another interesting part about the scenery is that the developers just kind of put these random bits of they, they put these random items all throughout the island that make the island have history to it without explicitly telling you what these, like, headstones are or these hedge, you know. Oh, you the just circle? Kind of, 
the circle. Yeah, you just kind of stumble across right. it, and you don't. You're not quite sure what it is, and at least in my playthrough, I thought that was a in, henge. Yeah, I mean maybe, but oh, like, but it's like a weird. Yeah, it's yeah. like a weird little. It's a weird little Stonehenge thing that they don't explain how it got there, like who put it there. It's just kind of there. And at least in my playthrough, there's a Bible at the foot of one of the stones, and it prompted a line of dialogue about the explorer Donnelly talking about the religion of the of the island. Um, but I don't know. It was like kind of cool that they just this the island just seems so mysterious with all these objects that they place in it. Um, objects that didn't seem as out of place as like say like the car parts that are strewn throughout the island but there's actual historical elements of it that kind of shroud the island in a completely different story and a different history that do you I guys know that, cool. that there's like a bunch of henges across the british islands there's not just stonehenge mm-hmm. yeah junk will tell you that what <laughs> sorry there's just this like ultra meta joke that all information that James knows is from his uncle. And I don't know why or where this came oh. from. <laughs> and it's so meta that literally James, as you're knowing now, does not even know about this. <laughs> Dude, this, is, this is the first time hearing about it. Maybe it's just you. Maybe it's just you, McCoy. Dude, or, or are none of you real? Right? Right? right. Stop calling me a robot. Yep. <laughs> Only um, my uncle is real. That's exactly. So, no, yeah, so, I feel I like mean, all the item placements in this game... They do a very good job of being just out of place enough to raise questions, but not out of place enough to like be in your face about it. Like I saw a traffic cone washed up on the beach and I was like, oh, so this is another kind of quiet reference to uh, car crashes. Um, And there were some surgical tools in a barn, like a stable place. And I was like, well, that's weird. What's that about? Um, So they do a really good job of just having these things, which kind of, stick in your mind as out of place and they do also a really good job of avoiding answering any questions oh yeah i oh they really try really hard not to answer any questions for me the surgical tools were in the lighthouse when you walk in in the first on the very first chapter so i immediately thought this was a horror game because i walk into that area and i just see blood and gauze and scissors and i'm like fuck (laughs) (laughs) And then you got the auto shotgun. Everything was fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and there was never fear again. Yes. Yeah, did anyone else die at the uh, on level three, Revenge of the Seagulls? No, I bunny hopped oh, actually, through that. So, <laughs> actually, well, on, on the topic of death, there's something that I thought was very interesting um, yes. that yes, the yes, yes. developers wanted to talk about. And, that, and it's that you can actually die in this game. Um, in two different ways. One is just by walking too far out in the water and you drown. And then the other is in the second chapter, you come across this big hole in the ground. And the developer, it is quite funny because the developers were like, with the tone we want to set with the story, we didn't want death to be some sort of like dark souls you died kind of screen but they also didn't want to be this like really disjointed respawn um so what happens is at like you you die and then the screen goes black and then the narrator will just whispers you know come back and you kind of come to in a place nearby where you died and i just thought that was very interesting because 
the developers unfortunately have to deal with video game player dumbassery in that they're like, we have this giant hole in the ground that we don't want you to jump in, but you're a player and you're going to see the limits of what you can do. So you're going to jump into this hole. We know you're going to. So how do we gracefully bring you back into this game? Fun fact, <laughs> the very first thing I did in this game was drown myself. That's yeah. me too. And, yeah. and, and I did huck myself into the pit without hesitation. Dude, exactly. wait, you're, I can't I thought... believe it. <laughs> <laughs> wait, hold on. Three of us drowned ourselves instantaneously? Yeah, what is wrong with you people? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. happens to playing yeah. the games on the game's terms? But wait, hold on. I just want to say this really quick because this is just coming to my mind right now. God, please tell me I'm not a robot. All I can say nope. is that actually one of the most convincing arguments that we suicided oh, at the end is that when you die... There's the comeback robot. with the. Am I a robot? God damn it. No. Oh, not. God. James is just being a jerk. <laughs> wow. Uh, somebody cut that guy. Um, anyways. I don't know. We don't have an editor, so we'll never. It'll never be. Free. Dude, James literally just like, there's going to be pure silence. Or no, it's just his laugh for every piece of audio in his entire track. <laughs> No, but yeah, this is the podcast where James lasts for an hour. Sorry, please. Continue. No, but all I was gonna say is just that that's a really convincing argument that you die at the end is that they're trying to resuscitate you, uh, or that there's some sort of resuscitation going on that is related to you in the sense that there's that heartbeat when you die. It's not just they say come back. There's that really intense heartbeat oh, yeah. and the like vibration of the controller if you're playing on uh, a controller based system. Uh, that is a very death near death experience piece so just add that to the um cork board of <laughs> with the yarn i have a i have a question did anyone else as they're going towards that cave with the, the first time you see the luminous paint paintings as i approached that cave i was getting a very faint heartbeat in the background did anyone else catch that at any point in the game no i did not get that however my music got very very disjoint like there's another part about this game where the, my music got very staticky and very like like somebody was fixing an antenna on a radio kind of thing that made it sound very weird and disjointed. So I wouldn't be surprised if they have multiple ways to just kind of make this player like think twice about the environment they're in. Um, this game, yeah, I think almost qualifies as like a horror light game because um, I think. I got the sense that this game, like, I think we probably all had instances where we thought, this is a little creepy. Like, Zoe, you saw the the surgical implements. Um, I saw the flashing light, which then ghosted me, but I'm Tish. And then the heartbeats associated with that cave. Um, did anyone else, other people say they saw ghosts? Yep. Like, yeah. Did we all get the sense of this game? Out pretty much the whole time dude i think there's like i think the one constant that may or may not have been a jump scare to some people would be when you're leaving the stone house at the top of the cliff a seagull just flies out from underneath you and flies off and i guess that technically constitutes as a jump scare of it just cawing suddenly and flying away but you know what's it what's interesting otherwise. is they 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 talk a lot about the is it horror is it not in the commentary and one of the things they reference is actually a scene from dead space and i was like thinking of gabe the whole time because they were talking about a scene in dead space 2 where there's been so much action and so much terror 
in in a more traditional horror game sense as in you've got a gun but they've got tons of aliens and you fight and there's a scene apparently that he said it felt like an hour but it's probably 15 minutes where there's just no action and you're just going through the ship and there's nothing and nothing jumps at you and nothing does anything but you just know that it could and you're waiting for when it does and they they think that in some senses this game executes on that just that constant like something weird could fucking happen here at any point in time and so that's in some senses why that that bird is a, is a jump scare but also they were just trying to go for that just endless anticipation of fear and anticipation of or not anticipation of fear but anticipation of something going wrong leading to fear so there, there definitely is like horror elements of this game but just not in the traditional jump scare action type way yeah it's kind of a game that evokes tension and a little bit of anxiety as well as a lot of probing questions I really started getting creeped out when I saw a, um, I can't remember if this was before or after I saw the first candle, but I mean, that was creepy because the fuck is a candle doing lit on this island? Right. It can't be real <laughs> if there's candles lit everywhere, right? Right. And, um, the other thing was, um seeing the um uh paper sailboat yeah like in the cave river oh mm -hmm. just floating along i was like oh fuck there's some kid <laughs> it's just like gonna murder me oh fuck children the most terrifying thing <laughs> Yeah, it was. I was like, "Oh, geez, this is really gonna be scary and awful." The game's uh, a lot easier if you pick up the the uh, deagle in, yeah, the, exactly. in the lighthouse. <laughs> yeah, you have to get the second. You have to get the second magazine, or else you're in trouble. <laughs> yep, that's what I did wrong. Yeah, well, the, well, it's semi-random. You could have gotten the shotgun, or you could have gotten the crossbow. <laughs> or you could be playing Dear Esther in the frying pan. Yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's just PUBG references like 10 years before it. Like, that's. <laughs> okay. Yo, hold up. So, this point I was trying to make before I went to robot state and then went came back. It, yeah, I thought all you guys are robots, and now apparently I'm the robot. It's all just some weird. In fact, it's randomized on this episode who's the robot and who's not. <laughs> uh, but it's like when I was like learning about this game first. I, you know, you can't help but judge it by its cover. You get linked to a Steam page or something, and you see the screenshots they have there. And unless you look really deep, and even then, you can't, you, you see most of it from stage one, where it's that lighthouse, and it's the, like I said, all that are the pieces, right? It's very drab, and it's very basic, and the composition is incredible, and all sorts of things are incredible when you play it, but when you're watching the trailer, or when you're just looking at, you know, just little pieces of screenshots, you sit there and you go, okay. It's and he's gone. I think he robot it again. God damn it. Gordon really does not want to let him make this point. Dude, what is this? Yeah. Um, well, we're waiting that for him to come back. That was a dumb idea that McCoy was yeah. saying. Terrible While we're waiting idea. for him to come back, I want to briefly remark that, oh, wow, he just left Discord. Oof, Oof rush, buddy. <laughs> um, so uh, the point that I briefly want to make, um, kind of tying back into this game as a painting kind of thing, um, so the first level is almost monochromatic. It's just it's just shades of this brown and, and kind of washed out feeling. 
uh, and, and then in the later two segments, the caves and the, the nighttime cliffs, uh, the color palette expands to two or three colors. Um, but the entire time, it's extremely limited color palette, um, which helps, I think, in guiding and making like the clear lines work well. Um, visually, I was super impressed by this, and it's hard to get that across in like a podcast. Um, but visually speaking, this game was incredible, not just in the sense that it was pretty, but in the case, in the sense that it was impressive. I don't have tons of artistic training or anything, but it impressed me. I agree. I think it fit the tone of the game really well. Just the visuals, um, all of it and kind of like the varied, but not like too varied, uh, scenes that the character would go through, uh, on his journey. Yeah. I mean, oh god, I hope I'm not a robot. Anyways, yes. No, we can hear you this oh, time. God. So so please finish your point before Discord takes you. Okay, away. so basically yeah. the point is that you you never really understand what's happening in this game uh from the outset, from the cover, right? But and I think that mm-hmm. does a disservice to the people who like would have the option of playing this game. If I said to you, it was it sat on my list forever. I thought that seems all right. It seems cool, I guess, but it, I never really got it. And I, I think that's actually so, somewhat intentional. They kind of hide some of the incredible composition that they have later, like the cave. The cave is stunning. I mean, when you go in there, you were like, my God, or at least I was. She's like, this is something else. Whatever I... Look at all these waterfalls. Dude, I had no problem with that. The, everything was so amazing. Like, like... Yeah, they were gorgeous. Just unbelievable. Like, this is some of the, the prettiest and most intensely visually constructed level design in a cave with colors and light. And I don't know what the difference between a slag tight and a slag might is, but probably both of them. And Oh God, <laughs> I, my, I see my bars on discord just going slowly no, to yellow. No, to red. Still we're talking you're about stalactites. St- oh God, I'm terrified you guys. <laughs> but anyways, it's just beautiful. Like, and I feel like the second I got into the caves, I thought, Oh my God, I had no idea what this game was packing before i got here and i and i re sort of assessed because i thought the island was beautiful and all of the rocks are incredibly well crafted or placed such that they have a compositional like continuation of the you know the lines of the direction of the frame and just like all that sort of stuff it's just it's very obvious but you're like okay it's really cool island you did a really good job it's in some old assets i really appreciate it this is really great you get into the cave and you're like this is a fucking out of control like i i am blown away like this is unbelievable. And so then... It's definitely a tonal shift, for sure, like, from what you started out as, and then you get into the caves, and you're like, holy shit, this is something I was not expecting. Yes. And then that... I was actually more impressed by the drab beginnings. Hmm. Um, I was impressed throughout, but there were, like, a couple of sections in the in the brown levels uh, where I was just like, damn, this composition, though. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, pause that game essentially at any point in time and you should have an incredible screenshot because it is on the role is the role of the player to frame a beautiful frame at all times. Like I, w- I was playing with Elena and I would I refused to play with a trackpad because I didn't have a mouse. And I was like, I refuse to play with a trackpad because I need a thumbstick or a mouse in order to properly actually capture all this composition as I slowly walk through. And you need to pick a point of interest and you need to follow it slowly as the camera just slightly tilts as it follows it. And if you do that, 
and don't jump off the side of the cliff and don't drown yourself immediately and etc then you'll just be treated to a visual just absolute feast essentially every second like it is amazing and then the caves just i mean honestly just like destroyed me it was like i don't I don't know drugs very well, but there's like that one drug that's like just better than all the other drugs. You know what I'm saying? That's what it felt like. Oh yeah, the good drug. Well, okay. it's probably the bad drug. Oh, okay, yeah, mushrooms. Cocaine. Hey, Ken, you want to tell us about mushrooms? Go. They're fantastic. Everyone should do it. Okay, cool. Thanks. That's been Keenan's section on drugs. Uh, <laughs> visual. <laughs> this has been a PSA. <laughs> you can have visuals. Isn't that what they call it? Visuals. Hey. Right? <laughs> Yo, last week we go. when James just fucking this cuts episode in. brought to you by <laughs> drugs. <laughs> <laughs> this game definitely brought you by drugs, right? It had to have been, right? <laughs> dude, okay, I was like listening to the developers' commentary of this game, and I was just sitting there the whole time, like, dude, if I had a British accent, I would sound so much smarter. Like, <laughs> seriously, because like, they would do that thing that I that I really attribute to Adam, where they just make a statement as opposed to like being like. Like, like, dude, if you listen, if you go back, you'll hear like Gabe and I be like, well, in my opinion, I think personally, uh, like, and you like do like 17 qualifications to ensure that no one can take your opinion seriously, which is what I do all the time. But Adam just says it out. Like, this is fact. And everyone goes, oh, crazy. But if you say this is fact in a British accent, it's like over. Like, no more <laughs> thought is even had. You're just like, dude, I totally agree. Yeah. Every Yes, absolutely. Um, so anyways, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I think about British accents. Do you think they're less funny? That's the question. Are they less funny, but more serious and more smart? Yes. No. Nope. Nah, they're funny. Have you seen Monty Python? That's what I was thinking. Wow. All right. Um. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, is it, is it time? I think it's time. All right. James, are you going to join me with the the tyranny of thumbs? And now uh, you have to laugh. Please don't join her. Just let her just like <laughs> fucking say that. I'm cutting everyone's audio. Fuck that. That's sitting there for like five seconds. And there's just awkward like fucking. I'll actually, you know what I'll do? I'll cut in the clip from the beginning where it's like we're all the like kind of awkward. tyranny oh. of thumbs. No, no please. <laughs> I hate that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Should we do some rating on this? I think we should. Um, yeah, let's go. The tyranny of thumbs. <laughs> okay, let's do some sort of strange order here, where we start with James. I don't think we've ever started with James before. What'd you think? So, oh my god. Okay, before we get to you, though, let me explain the rating system, right? And this is going to be very <laughs> difficult for me because apparently it doesn't make any sense. It's not real, anyways. So, in fact, it's random. Which rating system explanation I give you? So. There are four essential components. There's thumbs down, right? There's meh, okay? There's a thumbs up, okay? Then there's a two thumbs up, right? Okay, that seems pretty simple. So thumbs down, it's like, dude, don't... It's like, miss me with that shit. That beautiful phrase, miss me with that shit. Uh, meh is like, okay, mixed bag, might not be for me, not really sure, uh, kind of... Uh, I didn't really like it. Um, thumbs up is like, okay, solid game. Certainly not my favorite, but I really has a lot of merit and I really appreciate it. Two thumbs up is like, dude, this was rad. Like really spoke to me, really awesome, really impressive. I, I couldn't ask for more out of this game. 
And then I think we're going to add another piece on top of it, which is like a star or like a golden thumb or some dumbass fucking... Anyways, uh, that it signifies like this game is something you actually want to call out as being extra special, as something that really spoke to you, but not just spoke to you, but like this is why you play games is because of games like this. So anyway, sorry, that was a long way for me to interrupt James. Uh, go ahead. What do you think? So not that one. Not that one. All right. Uh, no, I mean, I, I enjoyed this game. Um, I thought it was, uh, a fun walking simulator. Um, I thought that, uh, that it was interesting and creepy and I had no idea what was going on. Um, and I'm going to give it one and a half thumbs up. Oh my God. Cause screw your system. (laughs) Project the tyranny of thumbs. I'm not even going to cut to Adam. I'm not even going to ask him what he thinks. <laughs> okay. Um, cool. Uh, sorry, actually, all that said. Adam, what do you think? Uh, 25,770 points, I think, is what I'm going to give this one. That's um, more than Cave Story. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Holy shit, that's a lot and of points. Cave Story was one of his favorite games of all time when he was a kid. So. Uh, well, the thing is that I'm not giving you guys the denominators here, so... Um, okay you know what if you don't if you keep saying that to us like we need to respect your system we're gonna keep saying we don't respect your system and we think no, this is how you're rating it okay. so okay maybe the maybe you missed the part where zero. i originally gave <laughs> i think so i don't think that i can really boil things down for almost any of the games that we've played to a simple thumbs up thumbs down uh, or even a binary system like that, because games can excel in some ways and fall flat in others. So I'm just picking a n- number. Um, Boo. So, because I don't want to lose that nuance, so I give you some nonsense. And also the tyranny of thumbs, I'm an anarchist. So, okay. Um, I think this game is really cool. Uh, I did not realize that this was kind of the progenitor of the whole walking simulator genre, as far as I was a- able to find. Um, it's been sitting in my Steam library for a million years, and I'm really super glad that I finally went through and played it. Um, it does some pretty cool things. Uh, it is clearly very carefully and deliberately constructed. Um, it does a really, really, really good job of crafting the player experience, even with this randomness stuff. Like we all kind of got the same, you know, the narrative may have been different, the details may have been different, but we all got the same. I think sense uh it was very experiential um and very uh dreamlike in a lot of ways they do an incredible job of guiding the player not just their thoughts and their feelings and their actions but just the whole experience is very guided without feeling like it's guided um and i mean okay there's literally only one direction you can walk for most of the game but it still guides the way you look at things Um, so visually this game is incredibly impressive. Uh, it's like a painting in 3d. Um, I didn't understand the narrative and I at first was kind of worried about that. Um, but having looked at it, having talked about it with you guys, I can kind of see, oh, that's the point. Like there kind of isn't a narrative. There's the glimmerings of a narrative, but there isn't really a clear narrative that exists, so to speak. Um, there isn't a canon answer to, to what it is, and that's deliberate. Um, so I like this game a lot. Um, I think that it's accessible uh, and very cool. 
So 25,770 points. Can anyone fact check? Is that the same thing you said before? That's exactly what I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's if only we were recording this, you know? Bro, as we all know, you don't listen to this podcast. Damn. Damn. True. So, Why did I do that? I don't know. Any of our listeners, <laughs> if... Uh, if Adam gave a different answer for the number of points the two different times, uh, I want you to send your hate mail to sponsoredbyvisual at gmail.com. Who was just rage quitting that? Yeah, was that someone like, what was that? <laughs> that was something falling off my desk that was important, but is now broken. <laughs> mm. I'm sorry for your loss. Wow. Rest in peace. Whatever's on Can your we get desk. Asked in the okay. Chat, please? Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Send your Fs to sponsoredbyvisual at gmail.com. Uh, dude, I'm going to write into that thing one time. I just like pretend. Anyways. Um, yeah, write hate mail to your own podcast. Yeah, I'd be like, honestly, <laughs> cut that one guy. <laughs> Not going to specify which. Just cut that one yeah, guy. Yeah, and it's always like, phew, I'm safe. Like, nice move. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, Gabe, tell me, what do you think, man? Um, I'm going to give this game half a thumb because I think it did some things really well. Um, me, personally, I loved the the scenery, the visuals. I thought it was breathtaking and fit the tone of the game really well. Um, and I thought the music also was beautifully arranged and fit the feeling of the game and really made the, feel, the, uh, the player feel that tension. Um, however, I did not enjoy the narrator um, and the way they kind of wrote the dialogue. Um, and I thought the, me personally, I thought the story could have been a little more fleshed out for the, the player, but that's not to say that it didn't work well for other people as we've showcased in this podcast, because some people really love that. And I think that's great. So it's, it's not, it's not in my personal taste, but I think it's a objectively a good game. Nice. Uh, Keenan, you want to follow that up? I'm going to give it a 45 degree angle thumb. Mm. <laughs> 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 the tyranny of thumbs. <laughs> Kicked. Uh, I think I'd... Yeah. Relatively similar to Gabe. There were some things that did well, especially the visuals. I uh, wasn't particularly enthralled with the, the narrator or that. Uh, and was mostly just confused on what was going on. Uh, but I guess that came with yeah, the randomness and whatnot. And I should have done more research beforehand. Uh, but it's, I don't it know. seems odd to me that you need to research a game to appreciate it. At least for me. Yeah, it is. That's not so far from the tradition. Like, I understand that it's weird and, and not what we're used to, but it's not far from the tradition of, like, uh, you know, paintings or, or novels, like understanding the context in which they were made or understanding a little bit more about them. Sorry, not to say that, that your rating <laughs> is invalid or something and that it should be a 60-degree thumb, you philistine, but, yeah, exactly. you know... <laughs> No, but it is interesting to think that we, I think, I want to say, Keenan, tell me if this is true, but do you think you enjoyed this game more having heard this discussion, having heard different people's experiences and sort of putting the pieces together a little more after the fact? Yes, I would say so. The more information definitely made it enjoyable for me. Yeah, which is, it's weird. 
it's weird to think like we are used to you play the game right and that's the that's the experience but this is something different it's it feels like a different game style but yeah yeah it i think is and i'm sorry i'm pulling away from the ratings a little bit but it's uh i think difficult like you know how there are difficult books and easy books not just in like the words are big or whatever but like getting to the themes is difficult like this is the kind of game that truly demands a games club i gained a lot from talking about it with you guys um because it is hard to penetrate um without further discussion and examination yeah Keenan, any last thoughts or uh no we're good okay um so i'm gonna throw to you okay um i'm gonna give this game two thumbs because i really enjoyed it and for me the disjointedness of the narrative as you're going through the game was what actually enthralled me and made me want to go and dig deeper into this game's themes and narratives and i think in total i played this game three times through twice without commentary once with commentary and i think that really speaks to how well the game developers created this story and this experience that i wanted to play it over and over again and really wanted to try to figure out what different people's experiences could be and different ways that i could take take different different uh takeaways that I could have with the story and I think that's really special and it's very unique that not a lot of games do and I loved every moment of it um I'm definitely somebody with narrative games who really likes to sit there and ponder and think and comb through every line of dialogue and try to get at what the intentionality was and I think because this game's narrative and intentionality is so ambiguous and so different for everyone who plays it um it just makes like as weirdly frustrating as it is that there's no right answer i think that's also just really special and so i absolutely adored this game and just props to the developers uh you know both the writer for just the captivated storylines and the music for really setting the tone and then just also just the overall visuals of the game it was just a very beautiful cohesive piece for what a random game it actually is nice nice um oh god i'm hearing discord noises am i a robot no okay nope all right good anyways (laughs) Yeah, I'll throw it to myself now, I guess. Um, I'm really conflicted on what to give this game, rating-wise, because I you know, didn't think it was like some perfect, transcendent piece in its totality, but in a lot of different areas, I thought it was transcendent. Like, in its level design, it's unbelievable. In its uh, composition, unbelievable. Uh, it's just... I don't know. I re- I really enjoyed this game. I really enjoyed the fact that I was originally going to play it in the morning, and I decided against that and played it at night and turned off all the lights. And I, I it just it mattered. Like it was a powerful experience. Um, I I think I'm going to give it a two thumbs up, uh, because 
while I don't agree with everything that it did, this is definitely a game that I thoroughly enjoyed. And I enjoyed the act of trying to reverse engineer it and trying to understand it and trying to experience it. Uh, and it just reminds me of a game from another era. Like, I know, like, these days it's all action, it's all flash. But this game was more of a, you know, contemplative, slow-moving, like, thought, sort of provoking game. And I really appreciated that. And uh, I think it'll hold a special place in my heart uh, just because... It was a game that, you know, my dad had recommended to me a long time and I had not played it. Uh, and because, you know, uh, spoilers for people who know, uh, my dad passed away like three, four months ago, something like that. And uh, I've been in his house now for a month going through all this stuff. And it's actually a very similar experience to a game like this where you pick up something and you sit there and you go, what's the story behind this? And it's interesting because I am so terrified of doing that in real life and yet in drs i was so excited to do it and it's just this weird like situation where you realize like there isn't always necessarily like a consistent design throughput it when you do this sort of activity like i've been going through old mac stuff and old Beatles stuff and sometimes there's a story and sometimes there isn't but you just have to do your best to be conscious and present and you have to go through it and that's just like a very interesting and powerful experience that I've been having. And I actually feel like this game does a pretty darn good job at allowing you to uh, evoke that feeling if you if you want. And so basically, this is all just like long-winded for me to just say that like, I'm in a totally emotionally compromised place and this game is also sort of similar to that emotion. Therefore, it's all tied together and therefore, how could I possibly rate it? Um, but it's awesome. I really appreciated that. And I think games like this that really make you slow down and make you attentive to the world around you are a rad. And I, I think they sort of get at something that's really human that I hope we don't forget about, that I hope we don't move past that sort of pause and reflect and think and try to put a puzzle together. Um, and I know that this is a game that he really, really liked for that exact aspect. He never really moved on past the ribbon. You know what I mean? That I've missed. It was always like, dad, you check this like 360 no scope I can do. And it was always like, Yes, but did you really pay attention to the marking on the side of this building? Because that was the real <laughs> mystery. And you're like, okay, great. But did you see the 360 no-scope? And it's like, it's interesting because that's sort of the way games have gone. They've gone towards action. They've gone towards point systems. They've gone towards achievements, which hilariously, this game does have achievements and they are hilarious. Because um, you're like, whoa, that's out of place. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like... This is an old school game, but I think it's something that I hope we as human beings don't forget how to appreciate. Because I think it's something that we can all appreciate, but it takes the time. So anyways, uh, that's my long-winded rant. Um, yeah, two thumbs. Beautiful. I yeah, don't thank you so much for, uh, for bringing us all with you on this one, McCoy. Um, yeah, this was great. I'm very glad that you prompted us to play this. Oh, you're welcome. Don't worry. Um, more to come. That's how it goes, right? <laughs> cool. And speaking yeah, of more sure. to come, James, I think you're up next, right? Who's what? 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 Yeah. What? Uh, garbage can of a game are we playing? Oh, sorry, it's not Adam. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, James. What game are we playing? <laughs> <laughs> I take issue, sir. <laughs> That's reasonable. <laughs> 
<laughs> polished garbage can of a game are we playing? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I've been uh, thinking about this a little bit. Um, I have personally been really enjoying Dota Underlords, the new official Dota Auto Chess game. Oh, cool. Um, that I kind of want to make everybody play. and But also... Um, to go with like games that actually mean something. Um, I've never played Bioshock. Oh wow! <gasps> yes, but because I just heard those noise, I think I'm gonna not do that damn. one. God no! damn it! <laughs> <laughs> That's brutal. That's fucking brutal. You're just jerking us all over the place. Like, I'm thinking of doing go to auto chess, but instead I'm thinking about Bioshock, but but basically people like that. I'm going to make you play Starseed Pilgrim yeah, again. Yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> where are we going, James? episode Starseed Pilgrim, I'm telling you right now. No, actually, I, I do want to do Bioshock. Wow. Yes. Okay. Oh, my God. So, so OG Bioshock, James, tell me. Yeah, I've never, I've never played it. Tell me if this is fair, James. Uh... I, I, we've been thinking about systems and format on this show, and one of the things we've been thinking about is whether or not to give someone the permission to play or to choose for multiple weeks at a time, right? Uh, so to say, James, you get four weeks, whatever the fuck you want to do with it. Do you think it's reasonable to say, James says, and I don't know how long Bioshock is, but I would assume at least three weeks, like, yo, James says three weeks, Bioshock, let's fucking go. Like, that seems reasonable. Uh-huh. Bioshock averages 12 hours to play. Okay, so that's... That's about two weeks, I guess. Two weeks. Oh, shit. Two, two to three weeks. Two I to don't three know. Weeks. Yeah, two I'd say three. about three weeks. Okay, so that's awesome. I'm so in support of this. That's fucking rad. Um, James, do it. this is such book- bookkeeping, but do us a favor and find points in the game. Wait, fuck. You've never played it, right? I've never played okay, it. Okay, I'll fucking do it. Or someone else, or Zoe, or someone who's played it will find points during the game where we should stop each week. Zoe's the one that's actually going to do okay, this. Okay, Zoe's going to do this. To uh, I'm volunteering her because at least it'll get done. Thank you, James. Good point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's fucking rad. Okay. Um, sweet. So we'll, like, stay tuned for right, yeah, when. Yeah, I'll... Yeah, I will... I guess I will comb through and try to figure out how to evenly divvy this up three ways. Three or four, uh, up to whatever it is reasonable yeah i'll i'll maybe i'll give different pathway options i guess to give everyone an idea of how long a session would last um but yeah and i will let you guys know dude that's fucking rad i just want to say like we'll see how it actually goes but i am proud of us for breaking out of the tyranny of multiple random games let's fucking play a big game together and see what's up Uh, i am so pumped (laughs) <laughs> wow really rolls off the tongue yep the tyranny of multiple random games jesus um sweet that's yeah that's sick um do we have anything else thanking fucking uh Keenan, do you want to thank your mom or something like that uh no but i'd like to thank gabe for hanging out with me and playing this game so there you go you're welcome. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. What the? What a bro. Yeah. Dude, so by the way, there's like fun like little side fact there, but 
Gabe's mic can, or sorry, his interface can hold three mics. So one of these days, it's going to be some crazy uh, try. It's four. Pot. Oh, oh. All right. So when do you guys fly out to California, and then we'll fill up all four mics, right? Right. All right. Let's. Uh, so please cut this. Please, somebody. I can't. I can't. <laughs> That's you. That's you. It's all you. All right. <laughs> let's take this thing home. Thank you so much for listening. This was a fantastic episode. It was so fun. Um, we'll see you next week for some of that bioshock action which is that game that everyone's like dude that's so rad but doesn't actually play let's fucking play it dude that's what this is about hell yeah yeah sounds great sounds great also i'm terrified that my computer like fucked up twice and my audio like got paused and then restarted without applying any input whatsoever nice well that's Um, what craig is for yeah. Cool. So are we, we're hitting the stop button. Yeah, we're button hitting now, the stop right? button. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's okay. hit the stop yep. button. Does anyone want to say anything personal that I can like edit into the podcast? Stopped. Okay. Great choice. Hey, this is After Hours McCoy jumping in here. Uh, just to give us a little rundown on what we chose in terms of how far to get into Bioshock before you should stop. Uh, Zoe, the only responsible one among us, wrote in chat something along the lines of god why do i not have this before i hit the recording button what a mistake for everyone for the first week of bioshock please play for the smuggler's hideout stopping when you get to arcadia it'll all make sense thanks zoe